Hello out there. Welcome to the 72nd episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. As we record today, it's late May. Uh, planting continues to move rapidly through the cotton belt, and some parts of the cotton belt receive some much needed rain. And there's also more money for upland cotton as part of COVID-19 relief programs. This is Jim Stedman. I'm senior editor of Cotton Grower. And those are just a few of the topics that I'll be discussing in this episode with my partner, Cotton Grower editor, Frank Giles. Frank, how are things down in the Southeast today? And did you have a relaxing Memorial Day weekend? Things are good. Getting back into the groove after having a long uh, weekend. We did here, here in Florida get a lot of rain over the weekend, especially on Memorial Day. We have kind of a tropical system that uh, went over the state and, and got us pretty wet on Sunday and Monday of the weekend, but much needed rains. Uh, we're really dry down in this part of the world. And I think those rains were up in, the, up in Georgia and Carolinas as well. So uh, wet, but we need rain in, in some places, certainly. Absolutely. No, no question about it. Well, you know, as you know, we spent my, spent our Memorial Day weekend doing uh, yard work as usual. It seems like every, uh, every spare moment we have is, is spent on yard work. And, uh, and this time was actually, uh, it was kind of refreshing, you know, with, uh, we, we had a power washer uh, doing some work. So, you know, a little, little cool spray, you know, certainly doesn't hurt when you're, when your temperatures are in the, the mid eighties and, uh, you know, keeps things comfortable for, for you when you're outside. You just don't realize how tired you are until you come back <laughs> in Absolutely. And, uh, and sit for, sit for about five minutes. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We've got a lot to discuss, so let's go ahead and get started. And as usual, we're going to kick things off with a short message from our sponsor, Enlist. This episode of Cotton Companion is brought to you by the Enlist Weed Control System, ready to help you control tough weeds with 2,4-D choline, featuring inherent low volatility. So thanks as usual to the folks at Corteva and the Enlist Weed Control System for sponsoring the Cotton Companion podcast. Before Frank and I get started with our discussions and the latest cotton news, we're going to turn things over to our colleague Robin Sickberg for a custom content interview with Enlist Field Specialist Haley Neighbors. Hello, I'm Robin Sipper, Custom Content Editor with Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. My guest today is Haley Neighbors, Technology Field Specialist at Corteva AgriSciences. Welcome back to the program, Haley. Thank you, Robin. Haley, the issue farmers have with resistant weeds isn't going away. So what are some options that you would suggest? With the Enlist Weed Control System, this technology is going to provide growers flexibility and choices, really, and how they can control some of these tough uh, glyphosate-resistant weeds. So for those growers that are utilizing the Enlist technology, whether that be Enlist cotton or our E3 soybeans, um, they have the opportunity to use Enlist herbicides post-emergent. Um, the options here, so we have Enlist Duo, which is a premix of our glyphosate and our 240-choline, or we also have Enlist One, uh, which is our straight goods 240-choline, which growers can tank mix with either Liberty or an approved glyphosate. How can uh, farmers find out what other products they can tank mix with Enlist herbicides? To find approved tank mix partners with Enlist herbicides, uh, folks need to visit EnlistTankMix.com. It's a really easy to remember website. 
Uh, this houses all of the qualified tank mix partners for both Enlist One and Enlist Duo herbicide. Um, so Enlist One is going to offer additional tank mix flexibility, which I've already mentioned, in our ability to tank mix with Liberty herbicide, uh, which is our preferred glufosinate product. Um, we've seen that combination out in the field, and it really provides excellent control of those glyphosate-resistant and tough-to-control weeds. Um, you can find a variety of other types of products on there, including residuals, um, adjuvants. I think at this point now, we have over a 1,000 tank mix partners that are uh, listed on those websites. One thing I do want to remind folks is whenever we're talking about tank mixing, um, especially with K-salt glyphosates within List 1, we need to be sure we're using the correct tank mixing sequence. Um, so it's going to be important to use plenty of water, agitate throughout the mixing process, and making sure we're adding those products in the correct order. Okay, um, and just for reminder, where can growers go to find that information again? To find information um, about tank mixing, um, they can visit EnlistTankMix.com, for information on tank mix sequencing, um, they can visit enlist.com under the resources and rewards tab uh, where we have the procedures listed. Uh, we also have some really good videos on YouTube. So at youtube.com slash enlist online, uh, where they can find short videos that help demonstrate these procedures, um, field planning, um, and post-emergence weed control options. We've got a lot of good resources loaded. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Well, thank you. That was great information. And um, I'll let you go now. And thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. And thank you, Haley, for that interview. Now, Frank, in our last podcast, we looked at USDA's crop progress numbers for May 10th, which at that time showed 32% of this year's cotton crop in the ground. Last week, the May 17 report showed a jump to 44% of cotton acres planted, with seven states reporting at least a 20% increase in planted acres. Now, I wish we had the May 24th numbers to discuss, but the Memorial Day weekend pushed that report back one day, uh, and it's gonna be just past our deadline for this episode. Uh, but I, I anticipate seeing another big jump in those acres. Uh, but as we've seen during the past week, parts of the Southeast that were dry, as you mentioned, got some good rain in the High Plains area of Texas, which also needed some moisture to help kick planting off in a big way, did get some weekend rains, as well as some other severe weather. Uh, what are you hearing from, from folks in, in, in the Southeast at this point? Well, they made, made some really good progress uh, prior to the rain. Um, you know, it's ama it always amazes me how quickly, once they get rolling, how quickly they can get planted uh, when the conditions are right. So. I think things are moving on pretty goodly. Uh, did hear some comments in the Georgia area that some of the stands and things were a little slow to get off to a, a quick start because of cool and wet weather, but I think things are rolling and we'll talk a little bit more about planting uh, and stands here in a little bit with our grower segment. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I talked with, uh, with some folks in the Mid-South uh, this morning and, and basically, uh, planters have been rolling like crazy. Everybody's trying to get in. Uh, they fully anticipate that this may be the last week of, of cotton planting. Uh, mornings have been a little bit cool, but, uh, but for the most part, I think everybody's trying to get as much in as they can 
uh, before the end of this week and, and have to make a decision on what to do next. Um, out in the High Plains, I have not seen any reports of damage. I know there was some hail uh, and some tornadoes uh, reported in that area south, uh, south and just around Lubbock. Uh, so I'm hoping that, uh, that there was no, no setbacks, no damage uh, at that point, knowing that a lot of the cotton just hasn't gone in the ground out there yet, uh, at least at this point, not very much at least. Uh, so hoping that uh, this moisture can kind of help kick things off for them. But uh, keep our fingers crossed that, that everything, uh, everything is looking good at this point. But other than the weather, uh, the big news of the past week was the May 19 announcement that growers and ranchers, including U.S. upland cotton growers, uh, we'll be able to receive some direct assistance through the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, and that's uh, the CFAP program, to help offset price losses and increased marketing costs due to the impact of the pandemic. Now, U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue outlined details of the CFAP program, uh, which will provide up to $16 billion in relief payments to America's farmers and ranchers. The program provides financial assistance to producers of ag commodities who have suffered a 5% or greater price decline due to COVID-19 and who face additional significant marketing costs due to lower demand, surplus production, and disruptions to shipping patterns and orderly marketing of uh, commodities. Now the program funding is coming from two sources. It'll be nine and a half billion dollars from the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Stability Act, that's the CARES Act, and potentially another $6.5 billion in existing commodity credit corporation funds for the CFAP program. Now, according to the details, eligible upland cotton producers will receive a payment of nine and a half cents per pound paid on the lesser of 50% of a grower's 2019 total production or the 2019 unpriced inventory as of January 15th of this year. Producers will initially get 80% of that expected total payment with the remaining 20% to be dispersed at a later date subject to funding availability. Now, unpriced inventory, as they define it, is production that is not subject to an agreed upon price in the future through a forward contract, agreement, or similar bonding contract. Producers who sold or forward contracted all of their 2019 upland crop prior to January 15th of 2020 are not eligible for a CFAP payment. Now, applications for assistance can be made now. Uh, registration started today, it's May 26th, and will run through August 28th. Uh, producers will need to go to their local FSA office to do so. Uh, and upland cotton producers have to provide information on their total 2019 production and totaled 2019 production unsold as of January 15th. Now, as, you, as standard, almost standard procedure on this, uh, producers will also have to certify they meet the adjusted gross income limitation of $900,000, unless at least 75% or more of their income is derived from farming, ranching, or forestry-related activities. They must also be in compliance with the highly erodible land and wetland conservation provisions. Uh, there is a payment limitation of $250,000 per person or entity for all commodities combined. Applicants who are corporations, limited liability companies, or limited partnerships may qualify for additional payment limits where members active, actively provide personal labor 
or personal management for the farming operation. I feel like I'm reading some of that fine print legal stuff at that point. Uh, now there is one commodity that is currently not eligible for CFAP assistance and that's extra long staple cotton. Uh, and the reason for that's primarily because there's no currently available price data that shows at least a 5% price decline between January and April. Now there is a way uh, for other commodities to be added to the program if they can demonstrate that price and market loss data. And the National Cotton Council is working with the ELS segment of the industry in hopes of getting them added to the program, getting the data and information in place to get them added to the program. Uh, NCC is also urging Congress to provide necessary funding and policy direction to USDA to provide needed support for this crop year and the full cotton merchandising and textile supply chain uh, in the next relief package, which is, uh, as I understand it, is currently being debated in the halls of Congress. Uh, needless to say, growers should be scheduling appointments with their local FSA office to take part in this program just as soon as possible. Frank, any thoughts on uh, on that? Well, it's a lot to take in, as you said. It's, uh, it, it is a lot to take in. You know, I had a lot of deep breaths to get that one down. First of all, congratulations for getting through that. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, the one thing that jumps out to me a little bit is that $250,000 uh, limit. And, you know, with some of these farms, mm -hmm. you can bump up on that pretty quickly. Right. But I know any help is good help at this point, uh, given everything. So it's good to see these dollars roll out and uh, assistance for growers. No doubt. I'm, nobody's going to, uh, if, the, if you qualify, nobody's certainly going to turn it away at this point. All right. Let's, uh, Frank, why don't we move on into, uh, into other news items. For sure. Uh, Cotton, Cotton Council International has joined the Sustainable Apparel Coalition. And that's uh, a group made up of 20, 250 global brands that are retailers, manufacturers, government and nonprofits and academia. They are working to improve supply chain uh, sustainability in apparel, footwear and textiles. Uh, again, this whole sustainability thing is a buzzword and an important uh, buzzword across cotton and many other uh, agricultural sectors. Uh, CCI will provide the coalition data and support using the Higgs Index, which evaluates a number of sustainability factors such as material, environmental performances, and other social and labor practices. Cool. Now, it's, as, as we discussed earlier with planting underway, uh, some growers who, who were able to get out into the fields uh, on a timely basis uh, but may have had some weather issues, may be considering uh, possible replants and or shifts to some shorter season varieties, again, all based on their localized planting conditions and, and the calendar. Uh, currently on cottongrower.com, you'll find two articles with guidelines to help with the decision process one way or the other. Uh, first is an article by Arkansas Extension Cotton Specialist Bill Robertson on things to consider when replanting may be justified. And the other is an article by North Carolina State Cotton Specialist Guy Collins regarding considerations for possible shifts to shorter season varieties as insurance deadlines and other calendar issues start impacting this year's crop. Uh, both of these articles are good, informative reads, and I certainly refer them, refer you to them both currently on cottongrower.com. And speaking of the website, let me, uh, let me also suggest uh, that you folks check out Frank's recent column uh, titled The Thin Green Line. Frank, uh, tell me a little bit about what you what you had in mind and what, uh, 
what brought this column to uh, to be what it is? Well, you know, a lot of people probably have heard the term thin blue line. Yes. And that's the uh, idea of uh, law enforcement and uh, that thin blue line that keeps law and order in society with a relatively small number of people. It's pretty amazing, really, that we keep things mm-hmm. Uh, settled and ordered with that thin blue line. So I thought it might be appropriate to make an analogy uh, with agriculture and call it the thin green line and just recognize how thin that line is and it's, you know, what less than 2% of the population today that feed and clothe us. And this COVID-19 situation, as bad as it is, I guess there's one benefit that it's reminding the larger public and consumers how important that thin green line is. And, you know, you were talking earlier about the CFAP dollars. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But if there's any industry and segment we need to support to get through all this, it's certainly agriculture because they keep us, keep clothes on our backs and food in our fridge. So that was kind of the approach I was going with the column. That's great. Well, it's, uh, we got it posted on, on the website this weekend. And, and as I told Frank this morning, he's already trending on Google uh, over the weekend on this one. So uh, again, let me suggest uh, folks check that column out. Some good information there and some good thoughts. So Frank, right now, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and move to our regular market segment, uh, which today, as I understand, is going all the way down to the farm gate. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, about this interview? Sure thing. Uh, in late April, I had a chance to talk to uh, Ken Hall. He's a cotton grower from Poland, Georgia, like the chainsaw. I think I said that correctly. Um, <laughs> uh, he is a grower that gets an early start planting, uh, especially relative to the folks in his area in southwest Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, he started on March 25th. Now, he told me he feels comfortable going early like this because of the uh, varieties he plants uh, have very good early season vigor and their uh, phytogen varieties. So with that, I'll just let you hear what Ken and I had to talk about uh, with his reasons for planting early. Sounds good. Here's the market segment with Georgia cotton grower Ken Hall. Uh, I'm not doing anything different than anybody else could do other than the fact that um, uh, I start monitoring the soil temperature when the temperatures start getting up you know in late March uh, I started monitoring the soil temperature the two and four weeks soil temperature you know on a daily basis um, you know early in the morning and um, when I when, it, when I start seeing the temperature maintain 62 or above or better at the two inch level, then I start, you know, I start thinking, well, I start thinking about planting it. If we have a cool morning, a lot of times if the, if it drops in the fifties or even the upper forties and you check the soil temperature and it really hasn't, it hasn't dropped that much, maybe to, to around 60 to it's, it's maintained. I feel comfortable, especially planting, uh, the variety of cotton that we plant now, uh, We've, we've seen such great vigor in the brand of cotton that we grow, and I have so much confidence in it that I don't mind planting early. Good deal. And then, you know, some of the reasons for doing that planting early, is that taking some pest considerations? One thing that we have to contend with planting that early is, is we have more thrift pressure 
uh, drips pressure because of the fact that, that cotton being that early is, is more susceptible because it's, there's not a whole lot out there for them to go to. We have added insecticide sprays, which is, you know, really not that expensive. One thing that it does is, is in our case, is I plant all of my dry land acres first and, and try to get that because you're more apt to have good moisture in late March, early April. And then on the, on the tail end, we've got so much produce in our area now that I, I've, I've seen that I, I get ahead of the, the white fly pressure. Because the white fly pressure builds, starts building in late August, early September. And if you can get in early, get your cotton matured, uh, and get ahead of that pressure, of course, that saves you a tremendous amount of money because of the, the insecticides that we have for white flies. It's very expensive, and it takes multiple sprays to try to keep them at a manageable level. Very good, very good. You know, in terms of anything else differently with planting, you know, fertilizer, irrigating it up or anything like that, is there anything different that you would do, say you say you planted a little later in, in that area? No, there's nothing nothing that I would do in that area, but I will tell you this, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. I have a lot of people say, well, if, I, if you plant that early, you stand a chance of, of having you cotton being mature and starting to open in August and and in the sept, early September you create you can create more hard hard lot more bold rot because typically in the, in our area September sometimes a winter month due to storms and what have you. And I said I'm not gonna I'm not gonna miss prime planting opportunity even if it is late March, early April and wondering what's gonna happen in August and September. I have no control over that, but I have control over what I can do. When the planting conditions are right, I'm going to take advantage of it. What that has done also, and like I said, nobody has a crystal ball. Certainly I don't. But in the past three years, it has allowed us to get ahead of, I got a good bit of cotton picked. Because I planted early, I got ahead of Hurricane Irma. And then uh, it seemed it may have been before that, we had Tropical Storm Hermine in, in 16. We had... Uh, Hurricane Irma in 17. We had Hurricane Michael in 18, which was a lot worse than Irma. But I had 80% of my crop in before Hurricane Michael hit. And then you go back, it was because I planted early. It was very aggressive early. It was very aggressive at picking time. Very good. And, and you just talk a little bit about your yields. How do they, uh, you know, stack up? Our early cotton last year, which good portion of it was dry land cotton, all exceeded. 1,000 to 1,100 pounds. Some of it was better than 1,100 pounds versus uh, some of the, the cotton in the county that was planted in late May, early June, made a bale or less. And one thing, talking about, you know, planting early, at, did you plant this year March 25th? Yes, we started March 25th. And uh, had it not been for the two to four inches that we got last week, I would be through. I would be sitting here through right now before May the 1st with a 14 and 1,450 acre crop. I would be through. Wow. And, you know, and I was up in Georgia uh, during that period. There were some co- little p- cool spells after March 25th. How did things seem to fare through that? It's fared fine. In fact, it's cooler, it's, it's cooler now than it was when I was planting March the 25th. 
you know, we're still having some cool nights. Everything is fair is fair. Well, of course, it's not it's not growing like if you had planted it in mid May. It certainly looks good. And then that planting early does that have any impact on weed pressure? Planting early, you seem to maybe get ahead of them a little bit better because weed pressure really really doesn't start exploding until the temperatures get hot in May and in June. And uh, but one thing I have seen, Frank, is we're using less PGR control planting early. Our earliest planting cotton needs less PGR than our later planting cotton. Interesting, interesting. And uh, finally, just for point of reference, uh, typically in your neck of the woods, about what time do the guys get going pretty hard planting cotton? Mid-April to early May. I have a lot of eyes on me, and uh, people are watching. And uh, they said, apparently what you're doing must be right because it's working. And I said, well, the only way to get ahead is to get started. Typically, most people don't usually start. Of course, corn plants is is is... I'm planting corn, I'm planting cotton when a lot of guys are planting corn. And then they switch over to cotton and, uh, in mid-April to early early May. Perfect. I think we got a good headline here. The only way to get ahead is to get started. I like that. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, many thanks to Frank and to Ken Hall for, uh, for reviewing the hows and whys of, of his farming operation. You can find the full article uh, that Frank wrote about Ken in our upcoming May-June issue, uh, and it is also now posted for your, uh, for your reading pleasure at cottongrower.com. So now a brief message from our sponsor Enlist, and we'll be right back to close this episode out. As cotton is emerging and growing, cotton farmers are preparing for their annual battle against weeds, and the weeds keep getting tougher. Phytogen Cottonseed with the Enlist trade is helping control those tough weeds. Farmers who've planted Phytogen W3FE varieties are making Enlist herbicides the cornerstone of their weed control program. After making pre-emergence treatments featuring residual herbicides, they're taking advantage of the convenience and flexibility of Enlist herbicides post-emergence. These herbicides offer a wider application with no cutoff dates or time of day restrictions for application on Enlist crops. Enlist 1 is a straight goods 2,4-D choline that offers additional tank mix flexibility, including the ability to tank mix with Liberty Herbicide and qualified AMS products. Enlist Duo Herbicide is a convenient blend of 2,4-D choline and glyphosate. Both feature near-zero volatility and reduced drift potential that stay on target during and after application. Learn more at Enlist.com. that pretty much takes care of this episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. As always, we want to thank the folks at Corteva and the Enlist Weed Control System for sponsoring us. And thank you too, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you're hearing from us, by all means, please tell your farmer friends about this podcast. Frank, how can they find it? It's super easy to do. There are three ways to do it. Uh, first, you can go to cottongrower.com and add a slash and the word companion cottongrower.com front slash companion and uh, you can uh, uh, listen there also you can uh, subscribe to our channel on itunes or wherever you find podcasts these days or sign up for our weekly e-newsletter cotton grower e-news um, that'll hit your mail email every tuesday morning and um, we have the uh, the podcast listed there 
You can sign up for the newsletter at cottongrower.com front slash subscribe. Also to be sure to follow us on social media. We were we are at, at Cotton Grower Mag M-A-G on Twitter and on Facebook. You'll find us by searching Cotton Grower Magazine. Or the latest issue of the May, the May June issue is at the printer and should be in your hands pretty soon. That's great. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch. He's our colleague at the, at the mothership Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, where I understand summer may have come quickly in the last few days. Uh, my name is Jim Stedman. I'll be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of the Cotton Companion. So for now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Frank Giles, we wish you all the best and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cotton Companion. Visit Enlist.com to learn more about the Enlist weed control system and to hear from farmers experiencing the technology.